I want to talk about politics, geopolitics oh, with you, but now you left me with aliens. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Lot of aliens are in politics, by the way. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> well, Ooh, okay. <laughs> Only Jay Deepak and you, I feel, out of all the guests I've ever had on my show, are probably capable of doing this. Jay Jay Sai is amazing, and uh, disclosure, he is representing me in one of the one of the cases. What are you sued for? For uh, my freedom of speech. contempt criminal contempt of court um, <laughs> for being you <laughs> for being me why should i bore you with this intro and explain to you who anand ranganathan is he's in the same league as the jsi deepaks of the world the abhijit chavlas of the world and the rajiv malhotras of the world he's on the ranveer show for the first time today he's one of our country's most respected political commentators lots of extreme right wing people believe that he's left wing lots of extreme left believe that he's a right wing guy But honestly speaking, after interacting with him on the podcast, I know that he's one of the most centristy people that I've come across. I'm not going to say too much more. Enjoy this centrist style conversation of TRS. I've never been someone who's been into political conversations until this phase of my life. When I've realized there's a way to make these fun with humor, with simplicity, and with ease. It's Anand Ranganathan with a blockbuster episode of TRS. Here we go, baby. Anand Ranganathan sir how are you i'm fine thank you so much and me for having me it's a real pleasure uh welcome yeah. to trs i also welcome the little cult you've built on the internet to <laughs> trs uh, how have you been able to build this kind of a cult fan following <laughs> i don't know about that i just enjoy what i do and i think that's uh, perhaps that's the secret and that's that's the secret that you are in the know of as well so you have you have probably 100 uh, times a bigger cult following than <laughs> anybody else you no know, my cult so, will meet your cult today <laughs> over this conversation uh the clash of the cults oh i i don't know if it's a clash as much as it is <laughs> not at all yeah a new age chengiz khan kind of thing <laughs> what what was that um, lovely uh, one of the greatest episodes in the game of thrones the battle of the bastards oh <laughs> no, no not that <laughs> there is to be insinuation you call me a bastard <laughs> no 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 i welcome this you know like yeah. uh maybe like a long lost brother of yours jsi deepak was on the show <laughs> yes i know i i saw that wonderful episode yeah. um and uh, he's a bro of camera oh, okay yes. in terms of his energy is very brotherly yes. he has a sense of humor it's just that on camera he turns into a bit of a, <laughs> a demonic version of himself which i love i think he's able to build his cult out of that so baato hi baato mai called him dude i called him bro yes. and people are just pissed off that i humanize guys like you <laughs> cuz you all are like uh, demi gods for your cults not, uh, not at all but uh, i think it's a well earned uh, title which is why i will talk to you as a brother as well bilkul uh, if you don't mind absolutely as my elder brother absolutely yeah uh, don't uh, mind the inappropriate humor are uh, don't mind the sharp questioning either <laughs> so let's begin with a bilkul. what's up in life what's up in life life's good life's good uh, i'm enjoying whatever i uh, want to do and i think that's uh, that's what i love doing that's yeah. that's what i think should be done 
before every podcast i do a little bit of research i yeah. go around asking people you know about oh i'm getting this person tomorrow mm-hmm. what do you think there was a lot of oh my god mm-hmm. when i took your name <laughs> why is that why is that so was that uh, oh my god as in don't do that or no no it's like a wow oh i see it's <laughs> like a, such a reputed man on <laughs> your <laughs> show <laughs> like kya baat kar so baskar pagle rulayega kya uh how do you introduce yeah. yourself to a 10 year old in uh, britain comes up to you and says good sir what do you do how would you describe your job profile so you want me to do the julia roberts thing i'm just a simple guy so <laughs> <laughs> notting hill reference <laughs> yes. wow no i mean i'm just um, i actually i'm a a simple fun loving guy who really loves uh, whatever he wants to dabble in and i i would like to see myself as um, uh, a jack of all trades and master of none okay because um, my bread and butter is of course science and i've if there's one thing i've learned being in being a scientist it is that you can never be an expert in any domain of science you can at best be a student mm. and uh, i think that's uh, science gives you a lesson in humility you know and i think that's the biggest lesson and if i can um, this is a free flowing conversation sure. right so i can uh, go wherever kind of you wish connect neurons as and when wherever. please yeah so and the biggest example of that uh, ranveer is that uh, 100 120 years ago uh, when during the time of darwin and you know uh, wallace and uh, other people when people started thinking about biology and evolution they they would draw what is called the tree of life which is all the organisms that they know of the species and genus and everything and they'll put uh, you know uh, where are they placed in a kind of a metaphorical tree so you would have bacteria you would have fungi you would have apes you would have you know tiger other animals and all those things and uh, if you look at the tree of life of the the late uh, 19th century 1880 something like that during the time of darwin you would see man is sitting on top of the tree of life that is what the perception was you know if you see the modern tree of life man is barely hanging on to a branch which is one of 6000 branches you know mm-hmm. so and that has happened without science dictating to you that look this is what you must believe in no science just puts things on the table it's up to you to believe it or not and uh, the fact of the matter is uh, the single most biggest lesson that science has taught in the last biology and for for that matter physics as well is humility that you are no one you know nothing matters and you thought you were sitting on the top of the tree and now you barely hang on to a branch and uh, one other thing that i feel which is really surprising is that of all the attributes that we put to human imagination you know that oh we can imagine great and we are amazing at imagining things why is it that all aliens have two ears and two eyes and one nose and four limbs are bhai you know so and but that is so psychological because we we see everything else as emanating from the human thought you know mm. so we also believe aliens also would be like us you know mm. kind of very evolved and uh, so do you believe in aliens uh, i believe that they would definitely be there somewhere because there is uh, 100% a possibility of life Okay. outside of earth no doubt about it mathematically But speaking mathematically speaking and the fact that now we know so much more as to how life originated on earth and that that whole process has been nearly replicated uh, uh you know in the laboratory 
So why wouldn't it be replicated somewhere else, you know, where the uh, the whole atmosphere or the conditions are conducive? So Okay, I love that we brought up aliens so early in this conversation. <laughs> you know, it's a meme related to the show. <laughs> oh, uh, really? The meme is, Tera career gaya bhaad mein, pehle ye bata, aliens hote hain ki nahi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alien uh, bhau, hmm. yeti bhaiya, and <laughs> yeti. Uh, bhut didi. <laughs> so, those are the three memes associated with right. the show. Uh, all right. I want to talk about politics, geopolitics oh, with you, but now you left me with aliens. Uh, no, no. <laughs> lot of aliens are in politics, by the way. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> well, Ooh, <so. laughs> okay. What pisses you off the most about modern-day India? About modern-day India? Ah, that's such a complicated question. Uh, I think uh, more than the opportunities, it is the missed opportunities, you know. And I think that that is what pisses me off. That we can do things. We are in a position to do things. We are in a position to do things right, do the right things, and yet we don't. Through political expediency or, you know, some other things, corruption and things of that sort. Um, but at the same time, you know, the glass is always, as they say, you can either see it as half empty and half full. Uh, it's always easier to see it as half full, you know. That is what politicians would, uh, politicians always see it as half full because that is what they want to project. You've never heard a politician who's fighting for re-election saying, oh, things are so awful, things are so bad. You always see the opposition doing that, right? Opposition points out the mistakes. Um, and the people who are in government, they point out what good they have done. But just imagine if they were to do the other way around, you know? I, I think that would be a much more fruitful conversation. I would like the opposition to sometimes acknowledge the government has done good things. I mean, of course, you see around them, you see great things have happened. And I would like the government to acknowledge the horrible things or the mistakes that have happened. You know, it's, it's always uh, so depending upon the government or the opposition, they, they look at the glass, which is half full or half empty. Very yeah. interesting perspective. That will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> that, will, that will never happen. In the last 10 years, I have never seen the opposition commending uh, Modi on anything, which is very strange. Even on, for example, Fit India, you know, uh, they did not comment on that. Even on Swachh Bharat making more toilets. In fact, some of them went on to say that uh, toilets should not be made because they're taking away the bonding time of females when they used to go to the fields <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> but that's the story with uh, when BJP was in opposition. Mm. You know, UPA did a lot of good things uh, in their 10 years. Uh, and I never saw BJP perhaps once or twice commend the UPA. But other than that, never. You know. Uh, you agree that we live in a time of polarizing opinions i love polarizing opinions and polarized opinions as well yes like it's yes. a polar world yes where exactly. either on this side or that side i call it we are all bipolar <laughs> <laughs> including the earth yeah. which is <laughs> my my, my yeah. big hope is that uh honestly long-form conversations and this is pretty much the only medium i want to yes. say shit like research papers and all but right. people my age don't read uh, <laughs> as much as people your age did when y'all were my age that but, was the only thing to do then you know so yeah. uh, i my hope is that long form conversations like this help people land up on a shade of gray rather mm. than thinking that the government is black or white that the opposition is black or white yeah. uh, i don't know if people will honestly in this lifetime yeah. because oh, by the way i i mean i for one i 
don't like gray. I I'm a black and white guy. Yeah? yeah. Why? Because I think gray allows you to be a hypocrite and mm. gray allows you to pick and choose. Yeah. I I think you're already being gray a little bit yeah. honestly by really? just acknowledging mm. that the UPA uh, did something positive and that the Modi government has its own negatives mm. and then you highlighted the positives on this side and the negatives on that side as well. Mm. That's gray by itself but so I'm curious to know why you say that you're not gray. So I mean for example um let, let let us take some historical figures sure so they say some people say oh tipu was fantastic because he gave some money to a mutt for the temple to be rebuilt so at the same time they do not say how barbaric tipu was when uh, you know he went along uh, demolishing some say 800 temples and he killed and converted so many hindus and christians and if you read his manifesto he says uh, you know conversion of hindus and deaths to the infidels is our sacred duty and all that but so you see one person saying oh let's ignore all that because he gave money to the mutt i think that's gray you are picking and choosing a characteristic for example what if tomorrow i say look that's a wonderful uh, watercolor by hitler isn't that wasn't he a fantastic painter you know or i say look mao did pretty uh, you know quite a lot of good things plus he was a good poet as well ignoring the fact that he killed 63 million of his own people you know and he is on the currency mark same with churchill churchill won us the war at the same time do you ignore the fact that he is directly responsible for the murder of 4 million bengalis i mean indians in the bengal famine or you know he was the first one to uh, uh, deploy phosgene gas and uh, out and out racist imperialist so gray allows you to uh, you know hop ja- on plays like you know used to play statue hopscotch mm. so aaj aap is circle mein square mein hai kal aap us square mein and politicians love the gray love the gray aap koi bhi example and no one is immune to it you look at for example a, a government that believes in capitalism suddenly elections come and they will start doing i mean modi sarkar is actually it's a communist uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know economy and thinking of uh, uh, you know finance and all it is a left wing sarkar really know? yeah i mean just day before yesterday they gave 90000 crores to bsnl that should not exist because uh, uh, you know it was narendra modi and that's one of the things that endeared me to him in 2013 he said a government has no business to be in business he said it he said it in 2013 2015 2018 and 2022 government and in the last 9 years all this government has done is to be in the business of running businesses <laughs> other than air india you know but you can see government is absolutely right he was right uh, you know government cannot run businesses okay cannot because it's it it is based on competition you know mm. um you will not be able to uh, for example survive in a government system if for example there was a podcast which is i mean doordarshan let's take doordarshan do you think doordarshan would be able to compete with uh, private channels if it was not uh, you know uh, given so much of funding by the government mm. so it's it's like that uh, so but that's gray right because uh, modi is saying one thing that government should not do businesses and at the same time he is his government is doing businesses what's the intention with doing business for the government is it to fund political campaigns is it to make the government richer by itself is it to make the country richer what's the one layer deep intention uh it's basically to win elections because freebies 
एंड दिस इज अ कम्प्लीट मिस नुमर दैट ओनली आप आम आदमी पार्टी और केजरीवाल इज इन्वॉल्व इन गिविंग फ्री बीज इनफैक्ट आई हैव अ रनिंग थ्रेड वेर आई हैव लिस्टेड आउट द फ्री बीज गिवन बाई एवरी पोलिटिकल पार्टी बीजेपी हैज पॉसिबली गिवन मोर फ्री बीज दैन एनी अदर पोलिटिकल पार्टी फॉर एथ स्टैंडर्ड स्टूडेंट्स वॉचिंग दिस कॉन्टेक्स ऑन वॉट फ्री बीज या सो फ्री बीज आर लाइक यू नो यू गिव डोल्स लाइक फ्री इलेक्ट्रिसिटी और फ्री वाटर free uh, trips to senior citizens you know mm. things of that sort everything is free okay now but you see when people ask me should freebies be given or not now that's a difficult question because a country like india you needs to be a government needs to be a welfare state otherwise people will die by their millions for example in covid the government needed to give 80 crore people two meals a day which it has been and it has continued that the government needs to give free education it needs to give free health insurance you know things of that sort perhaps not uh, you know for the long term going forward 50 uh, 20 30 40 years but so i have i am a proponent of welfare state what i am not a proponent of is the money that is coming uh, to the government to um make sure that this welfare state exists and prospers that money cannot come from socialism that money has to be generated through capitalism a welfare state is possible only in a capitalistic world not in a socialist world you mean to say that instead of them running their own businesses yes rather have actual businessmen business women run and businesses and you tax them you okay. tax them and you get like what america does you know okay. like so you uh, for example if we had huge conglomerates like what america does and we tax them uh nominally not like you know uh, basically squeeze the life out of them which is what india does because you need uh, you need money to run things you know you, it's, you just can't keep on printing money like america does uh america is in debt of what 25 30 trillion dollars if i'm not mistaken in fact just a week ago they were about to go into uh, you know so called quote and quote bankruptcy or something but it was this always saved at the last moment uh india will not be saved if we reach that situation bangladesh is currently in that situation pakistan has been for so long sri lanka was so this kind of you know keep on running debt is a very risky business because we can't like uh, america we can't keep on having this what they call helicopter money keep on printing money you know we we just can't do it but the fact of the matter is governments cannot run businesses and out of so uh, myself and a very young economist uh, karan basin very gifted guy we wrote an article last october uh, about public sector units so india has uh, we tabulated it wasn't very easy at all uh, we had to look at all the government uh, kind of activity reports uh, from finance uh, ministry and all those things so uh, the bottom line is india has about 1830 odd public sector units central and state 400 about 400 of them are non functional but still government is paying money you're talking at a very high level here this is a podcast for like college students uh, no, as no, well no okay so, so so public sector units are like public sector banks like state okay. bank of india um uh, navratnas are an example uh, uh, ongc is a, so all they would know i mean uh, let's let's dial back slightly sure, just course. to kind of conclude what you said okay right. so you're saying so the government should not run businesses but but what specifically within that pisses you off their lack of ability to Corruption, run businesses okay. unable to sack people who are uh, you know not contributing anything okay uh, non competitiveness 
uh, I gave the example of Doordarshan. You know, uh, if it is non-competitive, it is doing some things that uh, don't sell, but you keep on, uh, you know, having it just because it is a kind of a propaganda or a broadcasting machine for you. So, like, likewise, state banks as well. Okay, you so know, you, nationalized you, banks. You're yeah. saying in the mechanism of those businesses created by the government, there's yes. a lot of lazy people who make money through of corruption course, yes. and yes. Uh, a lack of their own abilities. Yes. But they're like, oh no, we work with this particular yes. government organization, yes. and overall, that government organization doesn't perform as well as a private organization Absolutely. could in its place. Yes. And, you know, it basically, uh, to give you an example, uh, we used to have in, in our refrigerators and air conditioners uh, chlorofluorocarbons until it, it came out that they are very harmful because they deplete the ozone layer and then CFCs were banned. Mm. As late as two years ago, the government was funding a, a, a PSU, public sector unit, that was its job supposedly was to make chlorofluorocarbons. Okay, they outdated. That, that was banned in the late 80s. Mm. But the public sector unit existed because people had to be paid their salary. So likewise, there are so many, so many companies that the government is just simply, uh, you know, paying money to because it doesn't want to, uh, you know, end those things. Air India is a great example of that. What business is it of uh, the uh, government to run an airlines? So if they just shut off all these businesses, yes, yes. you're basically saying that a lot of corruption will yes. go away from the country. Yes. So your actual uh, point of being pissed off here is the corruption that all this enables. Corruption and the kind of uh, image that it generates that, you know, you can, you can earn money okay. without contributing anything, without being profit making, without, uh, uh, you know, being responsible for taking the company higher, mm. uh, without inventing stuff. I mean, it's it's the antithesis of uh, Darwinian evolution okay. that is based on survival of the fittest, empathy, as well as uh, competition. Okay. You know? When this exact point is brought up to PM Modi, yes. what do you think him and his team think? Because I'm sure someone would have brought this of up. Of course, yes. That yeah, there's so much corruption through yes. all these businesses. Yeah. What do you think his or their defense is and why is it still running? Yeah, so the first action would be that somebody would get up and open the window and the person who suggested this would be thrown out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the second one would be, how election kaise jeetenge? Jis aadmi ko aap sack kar rahe ho, wo aapko vote nahi dega. Aur aise karodo log hain, lakho karodo log hain, jo employees hain in loss-making units ke. They are not going to vote for you. Their children are not going to vote for you. You know, and the, the prime example, let me give you an example how socialism and this kind of warped thinking wins elections. Uh, you've, uh, and uh, this generation, as you, now you made me very conscious as to how to... No, 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 please don't be conscious. Uh, okay, so there is something called the old pension scheme and yeah. the new pension scheme, yeah. right? So the old pension scheme uh, was uh, ordered to be looked at by the Congress government. And in fact, Dr. Manmohan Singh, who's an economist, very well-known economist. In fact, he's a wrangler, which is incredible. He's a very rare entity that uh, got two, if I'm not mistaken, two firsts from Cambridge University. It is almost impossible. So he's a very gifted guy. So Dr. Manmohan Singh and his associate, uh, Dr. Montek Sigalowalia, were asked to look at this. And they came up with this new pension scheme. And slowly all the states realized that, look, the old pension scheme is going to make the states bankrupt. We have to revert to something new because the old one was putting the onus on new younger taxpayers, you know, and that's just unfair. And there were so many other things that were wrong with it. So by uh, 
2018-2019, most of the states had replaced their old pension scheme to new pension scheme. Now, what did Congress do in Himachal Pradesh? It said, we will revert to old pension scheme. Congress wanted to go back on its own pension scheme because it wanted to placate a vote bank of retired old generation people or their, whoever. It, and they won the election and they reverted to the old pension scheme. They junked their own policy. And in fact, Monteng Singh Aluwalia went on record to say the biggest ravedi, i.e. freebie, is this old pension scheme. Don't do it. But yet Congress did it. They won the election. And the repercussions of that is that every state now wants to revert to the old pension scheme. Chhattisgarh, I think, is already reverted. Punjab, which is an ARP-ruled state, still has reverted. 15 lakh Maharashtrians went on strike demanding that uh, the state revert to old pension scheme. Which, when you look at it from a macro perspective, is yes. terrible for young people Disaster. paying taxes. Disaster. Because 80% of the revenue that a state like Himachal generates will go on Ooh. into propping up this old pension scheme. Rather than building infrastructure, yes. rather so, than helping protect the environment. But election jeet gay Congress. Okay. You know? Let's, for a second, and I'm not defending them at all, but let's for a second humanize a politician's career. Both okay. a BJP yeah. a politician and an anti-BJP politician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a political career has two parts to it. One right. is win the election. Second yes. is be in power and then govern policy, uh, know how to run the country or the state, etc. Yeah. Uh, most people would uh, be very concerned with this whole getting into power mm. uh, phase of their career. Yeah. And that's what actually leads them to uh, taking decisions like this, which may not benefit the uh, country or yeah. the state in the long term, but will get them in power. Correct. Okay. Is this the dark truth about a political career? That sometimes you have to do what's wrong for the country in order to selfishly gain advantage yourself and then maybe correct it later? Uh, it's not, I won't even call it uh, dark truth, Ranveer. It is the only truth. And But if it's the only truth, yeah. it will never change. Uh, the electorate have to decide. I mean, you look at, for example, European countries. I know you can't extrapolate 1.4 billion people population of India to, let's say, UK or uh, Nordic countries, you know, ki wahan pe, uh, election ke mudde kya hai, you know. Uh, if you do that, then you would realize the politicians would have to, for example, hamare desh mein tomorrow, uh, during elections, a politician says so many things. He's never held accountable. Ye free, wo free, Karnataka mein aapne dekha, you know, itna sara wo chal raha hai. In UK, if you say it, the very next day, he is forced to explain where is the money going to come from? You say, we'll do this free, we'll do this free. People just don't believe the politician. They say, well, where is the money? Mm. You, you're simply not going to do it. Mm. So uh, you will go in debt and then, you know, it's basically that vicious cycle. But the fact of the matter is, the problem comes not in ideologically agnostic policies. For example, nobody will have a dispute as to we need, we need to construct more toilets. I mean, Pagal Yoga jo kahega, yaar, aap highways bana rahe ho, galat kaam kar rahe ho, toilet bana rahe ho, galat kaam, cylinder de rahe ho. UP ne bhi kiye the, BJP bhi kar rahi hai, BJP ki pace is just incredible. So that's, that's the only difference. It's not that, uh, you know, Congress didn't do it. Congress did it, but the, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Nitin Gadgari is possibly an alien. You need to get him on your show. Yeah. 
he is doing things that are just unheard of i mean no politician can even dream of the kind of things you know he's made uh, what we did in 70 years the fellow has done it in like so many things in the last 10 years it's just unbelievable what would you have me ask him um uh, okay that's um how has he survived as a politician without uh, uh you know thinking about winning elections mm. without because let's be very honest congress did a lot uh, for karnataka bjp has done even more in terms of infrastructure for karnataka i have the figures i have this thing and yet it lost the elections so doing a lot does not translate into winning elections why because we are still a cylinder pani bijli sadak population as in your vote will go in the direction yes. of where you feel yeah. the amenities are coming from yes and i don't i don't begrudge that at all yaar mere paas acha school nahi hai apne bachcho ko bhejne ke liye mere paas health insurance nahi hai main abhi bhi khana banata hu main wo phook phook ke wo banata hu theek hai which is a reason for uh, you know millions of deaths household pollution is by the way one of the biggest the biggest reason for infant mortality people don't even know this so ujwala ke liye jo mujhe wo sab dega main usko immediately vote karunga ya jo keh raha hai maine aapke liye bridge bana diya hai ye rajiv setu aur 25 saal tak aapka fayda hoga isme it's like a chalk and cheese thing i won't even think you know so yes all this infrastructure is great for the country for the medium term as well because it generates employment a direct employment because you are employing lakhs of people in making all that infrastructure plus because of the infrastructure you're creating so many jobs and so many so it has to happen for our development problem wahan pe aati hai jab leap frogging chahiye hoti hai aapko wahan pe hum mai ye i'll put it ki every government becomes anti national actually anti national because unko dikhta hai ki yaar ab tum 20 saal ke ke aage soch rahe ho mai jeet jaun pehle elections you know ye tragedy hai break down this thought of leapfrogging and anti national okay so for example let's let's take the farm bills okay the farm reforms you'll have to give context on all these things uh, yeah, don't, don't assume that anyone knows anything no 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 absolutely yeah absolutely so basically as everyone knows two years ago i think it was uh, two and a half years ago uh, modi decided to bring in these three farm bills the first one uh, it happened quite long ago so let me see if i can recall what exactly these farm bills were sure first one was that we will give the farmers a choice where they can sell their produce so up till now the farmers have to go to a government mandi which is called apmcs agriculture uh, produce marketing committee so government ki apni mandi banayi hui hai poor socialist system chal raha hai wahan pe farmer aayega wahan pe apna saman bechega modi ne kaha ki you can actually sell your produce wherever you want to the second was we will do away with something where the government could immediately come and say that uh, look now we are going to you are holding stuff uh, this is you cannot hold stuff anymore so uh, uh, this was a, this is an essential commodity and that was devastating because uh, you know no go down maker would actually make go down so what used to happen is a farmer produces something in the western countries you can store it up to 6 months a year right and then enter the next agricultural produce cycle and then you so for 6 months to a year you don't have to worry about the perishability or perishing of your produce you know it's in go down yahan pe kya hota tha ki aap you know here what would happen is you make a go down the farmer stores it and suddenly the government executes this essential commodities act and let alone say that you can't hold 
quote unquote hoard is a very negative connotation you can't put store stuff in godowns people would be arrested so no businesses would enter making these state of the art godowns so farmers were forced to sell immediately what whatever they produced you know um and the third was to bring in contract farming which is that if a business organization like the andani or the ambani's want that the farmer to produce this crop cash crop instead of wheat or rice or something they you know contract uh, you contact a farmer and enter into a contract and the farmer grows that for them these were the three things this would have catapulted india into a middle income economy by that i mean 15000 dollars per capita gdp right now we is ours is 2000 dollars gdp per capita within a span of a decade or perhaps more and the tragedy was that each of these three reforms were in the manifestos of all opposition parties more draconian the these three were not only in the manifesto of the congress party the congress party said we will do away with apmc at least modi was giving a choice the farmer can at least go to a private mandi or an apmc congress and nahi apmc is archaic do away with this and punjab that was at that point of time ruled uh, governed by the congress party had already started the contract uh, uh, you know the the whole act in fact amrinder singh who was the uh, chief minister of uh, congress uh, punjab government had entered into a contract with the ambani's uh i think it was a, a 6000 crore contract and the businesses a lot of other business houses were contracting the farmers to produce whatever but the mo- moment modi brought in these things congress you know you know what happened congress called them kale laws there were these protests for more than a year they blocked the highways they you know there was like lakhs of crores of money was just completely uh you know destroyed economy was destroyed all those businesses that were around those highways you know each day they were losing 3000 crores people died and the worst thing was that after all those farm bills were repealed by modi that alone was a anti national decision because he didn't give any reason for that uh, if i was a farmer in america i would have sued the government you know because in america you have this class action suit you just can't take an arbitrary decision because your decisions affect my well being my prosperity so you can't just government can't say oh we take those farm bills back you know if you promise something that is going to make me prosperous and you renege on that promise i should be able to sue you because you know aap uh, you don't lose anything i am losing my health and prosperity and well being you know so um, and what happened was these anti national uh, opposition parties they won and uh, the modi government took this anti national decision to repeal the farm laws that is what is called leapfrogging just these three things and i ask you a very simple question you are a, a, a the next gen a present gen amazingly uh, uh, you know uh, gung ho about optimistic about india you have a business you want to attract the audience rather than uh, you know privately rather than go to uh, a channel which is entirely government owned if you can do it why can't a farmer do it hmm. who the hell are you to tell the farmer that you should only go to a government marketplace to sell your produce it's like you know you create something and you say oh you can't go to amazon come to uh, sarkar pradesh committee uh, you know amazon like marketplace you'll say to hell with you 
Mm. When you can say it, why shouldn't a farmer be? Farming is a business. Mm. And that is the tragedy. You see, we have uh, more than 40%, almost 44% of our ready labor force, which is, I think, about 515 million Indians is our ready labor force. 44% of that is involved in agriculture, which is crazy. In Western countries, Middle East, uh, you know, uh, middle income economy, it's not more than 2 to 3%. I mean, this is a catastrophe. It's not waiting to happen. It has happened. 83% mm. of Indian households are directly involved in, or, you know, they, they are related to Indian agriculture. Okay. I have a couple of questions for you, which are completely unrelated because now we'll do a sharp pivot. Sure. Uh, first question, how do you retain so much data in your head, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> scientist, like Dr. <laughs> scientist? Uh, the yeah. second question is, are you not afraid that when you're talking so openly about uh, the criticisms that you have for the government? Yeah. Are you not afraid that one day two guys in black suits and black ties will show up at your door and shoot you or something? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you not afraid of that uh, possibility? No, no, I'm not because uh, A, I'm a free speech absolutist, okay. number one. Uh, B, uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, sayings is by uh, an amazing judge uh, called, I think, Giuseppe Falcone, Judge Falcone in Italy. He said... Uh, the one who is not afraid of dying dies only once. Mm. I think that's wonderful. You know, this is, uh, people are scared of everything. They're afraid of dying and they die ev almost every day. Um, so I, and the, uh, the other fact of the matter is that when people ask me, in fact, you didn't because uh, I, I really like your show and what you do. You're very mm -hmm. frank and, uh, you know, there's, there's no censoring of any sort. But people say, sir, are there any questions that are off limits? They ask me generally. Ah. I say, well, uh, no, as long as there are no answers that are off limits. <laughs> you know? So they are more worried about the answers that I may give than the questions yeah. that I may receive. And why shouldn't I be able to take any question. I mean, it's a challenge for me. And I would defeat myself. I'll, I'll fall in my own eyes if, you know, I wouldn't want to answer any question, you know. Uh, but having said that, uh, I've said this before, people call me only once. They don't call me again. So I think uh, to give you a couple of examples, I think that all from the top of my head, uh, a very dear friend, uh, he was an Rajya Sabha MP, no less. So he invited me for a one-day conference on dynasty being the scourge of Indian politics. It was a BJP-sponsored event. And you mean that, to say that though the Gandhi family Gandhi, is ruining the, India? That's yes, absolutely. the underlying absolutely. message. Okay. Yeah, that was supposed to be the only underlying message. Okay. And in fact, it was inaugurated by uh, Mr. Dev Fadnavis, who's otherwise a very nice, pleasant guy. My turn, I, my turn came. Uh, so I took the first five minutes to take out the, to narrate the names of 94 BJP MPs and MLAs who are dinas. As in their <laughs> products of nepotism. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, you know, and the, my, uh, my talk is the only uh, talk that wasn't loaded onto the YouTube, this thing. But it's fine. I have Ooh. nothing. And I've, I've met this gentleman. He's a wonderful person. He remains a good friend. His wife is even a, 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 a more dearer friend than he is. Uh, wonderful people. But polit politicians have this compulsion, you know. And I think, uh, so obviously I've not been invited again. But that's great. It's, it, it has not in any way destroyed our relationship. Because I know this. This happens. Yeah. One other occasion, uh, it was on corruption. 
and it was i think it was a fiki event i really can't remember where it was uh, or when it was a 5 trillion dollar economy i think it was and all that and why bjp is is working so hard because it's not corrupt so i gave out seven or eight instances where bjp is intensely corrupt uske baad mujhe nahi bulaya they didn't call me again as recently as two months ago there was i think a g20 event uh i i want to you know <laughs> i want to do this many times because people think ki kya kar raha hai yaar you know ek to tujhe bula they calling you there <laughs> but then i say look i you know this is what i believe in and don't people want to hear the truth or even if i might be wrong of course i am wrong most of the time you know we're only fallible and uh, we're not the um, we're not women so we, we're wrong you're... most time <laughs> uh, uh, i don't, i don't i don't think you're wrong most of the time i i don't know about that but i at least look uh, uh, one of my again my favorite phrases is uh, or uh, quips is by burton russell he said i don't believe to death um uh, what i say i'm paraphrasing so i might be wrong uh, so he says i might be wrong so i i you know okay so he says i wouldn't die for my beliefs i might be wrong <laughs> you know science per se gives you this element of doubt at all times i mean you the the whole purpose of science is to reduce the the doubt as much as possible you know but of course there are things where you have removed it 100% of the time in science but mostly it is always 90% 95% so you know of course everything i say comes with an element of doubt i know it but you know aisa bhi nahi hai ki i'm just saying things on the top of my head without making any logic or without any backing of you know uh, rationale or logic behind it i think scientists so, because of the nature of your job and therefore mind mm-hmm. are the right people to be able to express intense political opinions and if they are wrong first people to apologize mm-hmm. like it just happened two days ago that i uh, uh, you know some uh, uh, i think on the panel uh, one congress uh, person said uh something about the banning of the documentary bbc documentary and the tax inquiries against the bbc happened uh, on the same date i said no there was a 3 month difference you know span between the two and another panelist corrected me and said it was not 3 months but 3 week mm. difference i apologized immediately you know i mean why shouldn't i if i'm wrong i should be the first person to apologize but uh, to uh, to come back to this the g20 event i think it happened and it was inaugurated by uh, i think the uh, honorable governor of a state and um, my turn came and i said this guy should be suspended for a month for what he said <laughs> so <laughs> how did he react uh, he did not react very well uh, but there was applause around the uh, this thing because he had said something which was so blatantly wrong that you know i mean viscerally you feel yeah kya keh raha hai you know it's like what's he saying so he said look the killings that are happening um, and hindus were being killed he said killings are not happening because uh, uh, of religion and i said it's like saying terrorism has no religion and so he was clearly wrong what he said but uh, he was not made accountable to it and here was a chance i didn't even see it as a chance i didn't even know it's going to be inaugurated by the governor he was there and i it just happened that that thought came into my mind we were talking about kashmiri hindus and the genocide that was perpetrated against them we were talking about all those things and i said if i was uh, the powers that be i would have suspended this guy for a month so that did not go down well i think that was possibly the last g20 thing i'll be invited to so uh, likewise ranveer uh, is this going to be the last year no 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 <laughs> not at all this is the first of many uh, uh, honestly yeah. i would like to know 
what the mood of the event was after you came off stage did you say hi to him or say hey, no he i think he walked off and then the repercussions for the uh, organizers were pretty drastic and there were some people who didn't like what i said uh, you know i'm sorry if they felt that way but i i say what i believe the truth was and many people came to me and said you sh- you did right because somebody should tell him that he's wrong when hindus uh, you know in villages around even now jammu forget about the valley or you know near srinagar they look at the aadhar card and they find out if someone is a hindu or a sikh or a jain and then target him that happened terrorists barged into a school and looked at the aadhar cards and they found a sikh teacher and they murdered her so do you think that's not happening because of religion i mean what are you talking about so he was clearly wrong except that nobody pointed that out to him before i did so uh, you know what is wrong is wrong yeah you know have you been on other podcasts yes okay. yes you yes. should be on a lot more podcasts because someone <laughs> like you needs to explain himself <laughs> yeah in an expanded manner right. Right. and i'll tell you why hmm. honestly yeah. your branding if someone has not seen anything about you yes. has come out as extremely right wing and i don't right. know why. as i'm speaking to you yes. i don't feel your no, right wing at all i feel you're yeah. truly centrist and yeah. you have a moral compass which governs yeah. your i i i, I say it all the time my science ki taraf se hu <laughs> and i think what you look down upon most yeah. is uh, injustice and yes. in okay. a very rudimentary yeah. way of saying it mm. you look down upon evil someone yes. is yeah. causing harm to other human beings yeah. violence to other human yeah. beings you look down upon that as Absolutely. bad but you're definitely not right wing in terms of you're not completely for the current government either so i think it's a very important conversation because you talked about we're living in a polarized time you're absolutely right and one of the things that this does to the psyche is you immediately throw labels at people mm because you are something even if you're not you've been categorized so people call me sanghi earlier i used to take umbraj at that but now i you know i say theek hai yaar call me anything you want um uh, but at some point it is because of the complex they hold they are something and it's it's like that complex where if you have been categorized and you might even be that you want to label the other person as that because then it becomes easier to battle mm. and this comes out clearly in why atheists are hated so much because it is easier for a believer to uh, you know converse with a believer than for a believer to converse with an atheist when you lose a debate you yeah. make the debate personal and yes. putting labels on someone is a part of making it okay. personal so what is a label i mean what what are the kind of labels that people throw about in today's times is left wing right wing you must have you know you've seen that everyone so so people brand me uh, as le- uh, right winger then uh, when i say something that is uh, you know against this government or uh, you know against the the whole perception of what right wing is देन दे या तो कुछ लोग तो दे से यार यार ये तो आनंद है थोड़ा एज दे इज अ वंडरफुल पर्सन कॉल्ड कूल फनी टी शर्ट यू नो आई कॉल हिम अ रास्कला डिलाइटफुल पर्सन ऑन ट्विटर सो ही इज ऑल्सो यू नो ही क्रिटिसाइज द गवर्नमेंट ही इज एक्चुअली इज अः इज नॉट अ भक्त एट ऑल ही इज नॉट सर्टनली नॉट एन अनभक्त he started this chappan kranti sena you know when modi started saying hum chappan chappan in chappan in so he's kind of mocking it 
and the, this master stroke thing you know everything must have a reason modi ji kar rahe hain to you know soch samajh ke kar rahe hain you know all that kind of lot of things go into that you keep on explaining uh, reasoning and justifying all sorts of decisions that this government makes you know that's so he says sahlenge thoda you know that that's the term that the meme there is anand keh raha hai sahlenge thoda otherwise i am branded you know oh he is a commis uh, you know commi is from jnu his true colors are coming out and he has kongi friends and all so i i take it now in the stride but then at at a level where people are not generally in the public eye right so people in the public i don't really to be honest with you they don't mind this categorizing people have categorized it you know that's fine but any youngster who's come to a public discourse he can get really upset if people throw these labels on him because i used to be in that situation 8 9 years ago because what happens is everything that you do is then seen through that lens you mm. know so somebody is just let's say entered a, a a discussion that is happening has professed a point of view and is immediately branded right winger now it doesn't matter what his next views are going to be it will be it's coming from a right winger mm. you know and there are some people who are not left wingers there are some people who are left wingers and the people who throw these labels are those left wingers because they want others to also be identified pigeonholed into something mm. it is comforting for them mm. validates their reality Va- validates ki yaar hame isne pigeonhole kar diya isko bhi karenge na mm. they hate it when they can't pigeonhole someone mm. you know because it's it's like uh, they hate an atheist because uh, you know an a- or a darwinian atheist to categorize uh, there are different categories of atheists as well communists also call themselves an atheist but they are basically cult cultists <laughs> so it's a religion i mean karl marx is basically a religion you know they uh, and in fact marx uh, uh, hated darwin yeah, basically that's another matter <laughs> but the fact of the matter is what is and we left wing or right wing it's very difficult to categorize it according to me i think the one that uh, the one definition we should really be worried about is something called social darwinian are you a social darwinian or not and i have seen in the last 10 years even before that when i have analyzed the things that have happened both the so called left wing and right wingers are social darwinian what is social darwinian is that is you project what is darwinism which is um a combination of survival of the fittest adaptation to a new changing environment and empathy you kind of extrapolate it to a society and you start defining what is greater good right so for example if a, a, a communist says that uh, do not have um, dams right i am doing it for the greater good medha patkar to take an example narmada dam you know, so much happened it was commissioned in the 60s if i am not mistaken pandit jawalal nehru commission narmada dam and modi actually saw the completion of it the raised height of it went to supreme court 20 30 years we lost and you know right now what narmada narmada dam is doing it is uh, sending power to 2 million homes it has irrigated 1.8 million hectares of land and it has Uh, supplied water to 30 million homes and just on their whims and fancies uh, this lady uh, medha patkar said we won't have dams because it is for the greater good of humanity likewise uh, so there these decisions they say 
it's social darwinism mm. right and the whole uh, subjugation of species of civilizations was based on this social darwinism that we are fitter than you so it we have the guns you don't we have the right to kill you that is what that is how empires were built that is how spaniards went to latin america and murdered and annihilated civilizations that is how churchill gloated that the indigenous tasmanian population was decimated and the last tasmanian was actually filled uh, and you know uh, this taxidermy done on him and put in a museum churchill gloated well you know that's his fate what to do mm. that is social darwinism and both the right wing at times and the left wing at all times they indulge in this kind of thing mm. that is more harmful than right wing or left wing because to be honest uh, the the left or communism is against the spirit of darwinian evolution except one small subset which is called quorum sensing you know okay but uh, the right is it actually should follow darwinian evolution so what you're saying is basically when you think that your opinions are for the benefit of humanity yes it actually stops you from deep diving into the debate the argument the discussion right understanding the nuances of yes. it and then coming to a conclusion for example this government modi is called right winger right why is he called right winger i mean can you can you give me three examples of his right winger his uh, economic outlook is totally left wing state control even more state control laws very little reforms of regulation whatever reforms he wanted he has gone back on it reneged because of opposition pressure or whatever it may be so this economically this is a left wing government i'll tell you why yeah. he's called right winger because hindu hai isliye yeah and <laughs> and we at least urban indians mm. reference what's happening in america right and there the right there wing is primarily christian yeah. i believe yes so uh, the kind of parallel in absolutely. india would be absolutely uh, all the hindus for yes. example yeah. an urban hindu upper middle class man yeah. would be like the white boy of india yes it's the same logic bilkul bilkul and if you if you look at for, like many people say are bhai ye right winger hai left winger hai kya hai isko sab main ko main science ki taraf se hu mm. whenever in doubt just follow this you might not be right all the time i mean science hasn't hasn't given you all the answers but the only quote unquote ideology or belief that has given you maximum answers reproducible answers is science what you're trying to say is your a fan of facts and you're a fan of the good of humanity are you a social darwinian no no no, no i'm so kidding i'm completely against social darwinism okay, okay. i'm completely against social darwinism no, no, i'm I'm, I'm i'm a darwinian through and through okay that is the thing all right let's have a low level discussion now <laughs> after this uh, extremely deep uh, thought provoking discussion so just to add to that uh, sure. Ranbir, so uh, in in the uk you have conservatives right mm. now i'm against conservatism because science doesn't believe in conserving things you are constantly mutating you are adapting hmm. if you i mean uh, we wouldn't be humans if apes were conserved hmm. right so every species might think this is beautiful let me conserve it sorry nothing is perfect things are always evolving and that is ironically the beauty of hinduism you look at our music you look at our dance forms they are constantly adapting you know uh, and i say this all the time the beauty of hindu i i know very little about a hinduism 
and even less about uh, you know uh, hindustani classical music or indian classical music but what i do know is that one primary aspect of it being so beautiful is that nothing is written in stone i mean what beethoven wrote as his ninth symphony in 1827 somebody plays it today it would be exactly how beethoven wanted it to be played because everything is written down right indian music is not like that you know it's oral it is adapting to uh, you know uh, maybe 80% of it is uh, what tansen played or even before that but 20% has been infused with you know ravi shankar has come up with something new kuch naya wo aaya kuch you know things are changing in carnatic music as well i mean what how tyagaraja uh, you know kind of uh, thought uh, you know the rendition should be it's not the same right now what that tells you is that hinduism its culture its art is almost completely mirroring darwinian evolution it is antithetical to the right wing conservatism mm. if it was conservative then everything would be the same as it was 2000 years ago mm. you know now you can say it would have been still be perfect but evolution by definition means there is nothing which is static we in the last one hour we've had a discussion we've evolved into something human evolution is constant it is happening all the time okay. you know very blunt uh, response to everything that you've said up till this point which is that i feel stupid in front of you like and and honestly that, that does happen on the show a lot mm-hmm. like because i get to meet people like yourself <laughs> but uh, the gap between uh, no, the knowledge level never feels so much not at all no in fact i uh one of the things that keeps me going honestly very very few things keep me going now with age of course uh you know is that i want to learn i want to learn new things all the time and i'm constantly learning new things constantly and one of the biggest platforms that are, that has allowed me to do that meet people who are so much more brilliant than i am is twitter believe it or not you know mm. i have learned i have learned to di- to be discerning to take the good from twitter there's a lot of bad on twitter of yeah. course because everyone has a mic now you know mm. and i am all for it by the way even psychopaths <laughs> need a mic at some point or the other mm. <laughs> you know uh, but the fact is you you need to constantly learn a because then it will allow you to be humble at all times and b it will enrich you in so many ways and i'll um, i'll just tell you just 3 days ago there was something that i wanted uh, for 15 years and i found a way to get it uh, you know what it was uh, i can i can tell you so this this was a sculpture by salvador dali who was a surrealist uh, uh, painter and he was profoundly uh, impressed by sigmund freud who's a psychoanalyst you know the birth of psychoanalysis is Father by of psychology that's right yes and his interpretation of dreams you know how he believed that you could actually cure people's uh, uh you know um, uh, neurotic uh, diseases and all those things just by simply talking to them this is amazing concept um and he made a sculpture called the anthropomorphic cabinet and i always wanted that but before the advent of internet i i had i heard about this and i uh three days ago i found out a marketplace where that sculpture or a replica of that is available hmm. and all that replica i mean that sculpture is it has a woman uh, in nude and she's like her hand is up like that and she has these drawers 
her body is full of drawers and what dali wanted to say was that since the i can't remember the exact uh, uh, you know phrasing of his he said that uh, since the greek uh, civilization and the the great epoch greek epoch the only other person who's impressed me is freud because he's shown me that the secrets of a woman these ie the secret drawers can only uh, the information in them can only come out through psychoanalysis <laughs> so can you imagine this he's he's actually made a woman in the shape of these drawers cabinets imagine that you know you do psychoanalysis and a drawer comes out and the information of that woman comes out mm. and he he took that thought further and he put put the same sequence of drawers on um i think Af aphrodite um so there's a very famous statue um in in the louvre museum of aphrodite a beautiful greek sculptor of uh, uh this lady greek lady called aphrodite and it was excavated and it was of course stolen from greece and then brought to louvre and that's where it's there and he put these drawers on that now you compare those two structures uh, sculptures one is the beautiful aphrodite um uh, and the other is this aphrodite with these drawers which one impresses you more i mean i get goosebumps just thinking of the thought process involved <laughs> that human beings have drawers and all of us have drawers mm. we have secret drawers we have you know various things it's it's just in the mind mm. so we think we know someone and then suddenly don't we say oh my god i thought i knew that person but that's not true mm. so psychoanalysis knowing more about it it's so utterly fascinating and i wouldn't have known about this sculpture had i just completely you know parked away this thought and not been in constant search of something that can give me this thrill so i i love surrealism i i love people who are uh, you know who delve into that what is surrealism so something it's like when you say something is surreal it is uh, it's a sensory out of the ordinary thing something that is quirky something that uh, is is not obvious in one go something that is to do with the workings of your brain um so surrealist painter salvador dali of course you know his melting clocks mm. so time uh, dilation time dilation and his clock melting is very uh, iconic figure of that as uh, in it's a thought that makes you feel something extremely twisted and yes. these gifted artists have an ability to showcase yes, that yes. on the, canvas the other one is marguerite uh, belgian uh, uh, painter an artist called marguerite and uh, he has this amazing painting where a man is looking into a mirror and what do you if you were to draw that you would see his reflection right so uh, if if i'm looking if i'm looking from behind that man and that man is in front of a mirror i would actually see his reflection his features in the mirror mm. so what marguerite has done is uh, you see the back of the man and you see the back of the man in the mirror as well <laughs> it's crazy you feel scared but uh, you know sometimes when people say i don't even see my reflection anymore you mm. you've seen that phrase so many times uttered before that is what it means mm. but that when you draw it it actually hits you mm. because 100 times out of 100 you stand in front of a mirror and you see yourself what happens if you don't see yourself in front of a mirror mm. you'll be scared to death mm. so likewise you know it's uh, it's truly incredible uh, there are a lot of um, writers like that who think out of the ordinary um uh, out of the box out of the ordinary and that that is 
and I would say it's it's a very scientific way of thinking as well. I mean, you look at artists who really inspire me are M.C. Escher. He was a Dutch artist. You know, everything is very surreal and uh, impossible. The world that he went into was an impossible world and he created such magic there. It's just absolutely stunning. If you were my professor in college, I wouldn't <laughs> miss a single class. <laughs> uh, do you get that a lot? Uh, I, I do. I do get that. I, I do get people, students especially, I think they like uh, when I teach them, but I'm quite quirky in that sense. And I'm I'm never a hard taskmaster. I'll be very honest with okay. you. I always set a very easy exam. Okay. Because my thinking was, I had to go through really tough exams. You know, I used to every time feel like, shit, yaar, I'm sick <laughs> of this. I don't want exams. I don't want, I hate my teachers and all that stuff. Some of them, not all of them. So I said, if I am ever in a situation where I have to set exams, I promise I'll pass everyone. <laughs> Shh, don't tell it to. <laughs> just set it. No, but I, I think it's life is tough as it is. You know, mm -hmm. why make it tougher? That's the thing. What narrative would you like to relay to the public about JNU? About JNU? There's the, this, again, very twisted, polarized opinions yes, when it comes to yeah, JNU. It is very polarized. It's very unfortunate because I'm... Uh, JNU is not what a lot of people perceive JNU to be. Which is what? Uh, JNU is, um, uh, more often than not, I say, look, there are bad things in JNU, no doubt about it. Ideologically, it is still entrenched in the communist uh, way of thinking, which I think is wrong. There's a lot of cancel culture that has come in. Again, it is very wrong. Uh, I, uh, you know, So there are things that are wrong. But I have interacted with a lot of people who are in the public eye in JNU and they're immediately branded as the left-winging bloody commie, India anti-national, this and that. And trust me, they're quite nice to talk to you know, in person. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, uh, I think one, uh, uh, one lady comes to mind. I won't name her. Uh, I think she was part of JN, uh, JNU SU student, whatever extremely affable to talk to but as with all things political they have to have uh, what the wonderful british phrase is keeping up appearances mm. so they have to appear to be like that i'm sure if i were to talk to well wasn't there this um, uh, photo of modi cracking a joke with sitaram yachuri mm. and right wingers didn't like it because sale twitter pe hum lad rahe hain tumhare liye aur wahan pe tum joke crack kar but in real life it is like that you know mm. you uh, and i i just I, I hope it is always like that because i don't want people to agree with me all the time you know i want challenges i want people to tell me i'm wrong and i want to learn those things likewise the other side as well and trust me, I uh, you know I'm uh, so I get get that I see that a lot in JNU. Yeah. But persona is that JNU is anti-national. JNU is this. But and with our new vice chancellor, things are really improved. And I'll tell you why because she is a complete no-nonsense lady, and it helps that she has been a product of JNU. So she interacts immediately. She says what she has to say, and she does things. You know, she's like a, a doer. So I think. Uh, it's 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 a good place. JNU is a good yeah. place. What's the beauty of JNU that only JNU alumni know? Uh, uh, I think one thing that JNU has to learn, first of all, is to actually kind of interact more with its, with its alumni. To get more fun. I mean, you look at a place like Harvard, for example. 
the alumni donations that Harvard gets every year is more than the R&D budget of India. Mm. You know, and here JNU doesn't, uh, I think it's only recently, maybe six months ago that it, ha it held its major alumni meet. Every college or university, I think IITs have started doing that. Some of the alumni are filthy rich, and I don't mean that in a denigrating way. They are billionaires. They are in high prominent positions. Uh, you know, and they should be, they should help out their, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Juniors. Uh, yes. It's, it's, so some of the infrastructure in JNU uh, needs to be, uh, uh, you know, upgraded. Uh, needs, a new department should come up. There is a new Tamil Center for Learning coming up in JNU. And I was very happy that somebody was telling me a uh, few statues are going to be donated by the Tamil Nadu government, which is great. It's a non-right-wing government, but so what? You know, I, th I think uh, when you think of something that is in uh, is going to help the country, do not think of parties at all. Mm. You know, and I think this is uh, it's not an advice that I give to anyone. I'm no one to give advice, but I think people must realize this: mm. that every every political party at some point or the other has dabbled in things that are quote unquote anti-national. So no one is. As um, the biblical saying goes, uh, he who has not sinned throw the first stone. I hope you're enjoying this discussion. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I am immensely enjoying I'm it. I'm a sponge right now. <laughs> like I'm just absorbing all not of this. All, so am I. Uh, you, are, you are changing my perspectives, yeah. which is the best kind of podcast. And <laughs> I think you. that's the case with the listeners as well. Except for the left-wingers who've not clicked on it because uh, of no, your name. No. <laughs> <laughs> who've missed out on this kind of schooling. <laughs> My, my my hesitation with podcasting is that I wanted to reach out to so many more Indians. Right. Yeah. Three but million views is a hit podcast, but mm. what is three million in front of 1.5 billion yeah. men? Yeah. So I don't know. That's where I'm at. Yeah. How are you liking this? Immensely. Immensely. Why? Because I think I, I can see the sincerity where views are being exchanged. All one requires and we ever is a platform. And that is why, you know, when Twitter started this whole thing of banning people and uh, suspending them and all, I came and I said, look, all you require is a platform. What is a platform? Platform is where trains come and go. Should the platform, uh, you know, decide that, oh, I will only allow Howrah Express and not Rajdhani Express. Would that be a platform anymore? No. Any train should be able to come and go on the platform. Mm. So if you have a platform where there is free exchange of views, people can be wrong, people can fight, people can do whatever, but there should be no malice towards any point of view. Yeah, I also think that when you do long-form conversations like this, the audience is able to read between the lines yeah. quite literally in terms of where does the guest actually hesitate? Right. What is truly in the guest's heart? Yes. I have like utmost respect for people like you. <laughs> who have studied as much as you have and who have thought as much as you have and who have lived as much as you have. Okay? But I'll just give you my uh, generation's perspective. And of course, I'm not generalizing you. There are exceptions in my generation as well. Most of my generation is only on digital. Mm -hmm. For me, the two most relevant journalists because they've been able to crack the digital game yeah. 
कैपिटलिस्टिकली सो आप पालकी शर्मा एंड स्मिता प्रकाश राइट बिकॉज स्मिता प्रकाश इज पॉडकास्ट इज फैंटेस्टिक एंड लॉट ऑफ पीपल वॉच इट शी इज एबल टू डू मच मोर एडवांस वर्जन ऑफ टी आर एस राइट उंडिंगलेटेड you know during those days so her grounding is again like what swati's grounding was mm. but she has adapted yeah so you know so perhaps there is something in there you get your grounding into what you believe are good journalistic practices and then you adapt mm. to new mechanisms to new ways of interacting you know because don't confound your audience yeah. don't write things that you know are just only you understand i mean that's rubbish that's not journalism yeah. you know the one thing i've noticed about all the journalists i have met is yeah. that in most cases the intention is right you know like uh, i think it's a part of journalism ethics that you need to do good for society uh in the same way that many professions are not given capitalistic training mm. therefore they don't develop too much business acumen yeah here's a message to all the journalists watching this mm. get into understanding the digital space i feel these two women have cracked it yeah. uh palki sharma knows how to construct her shows really well and they're picked up by social media algorithms yeah. Yeah. and honestly there's a lot more money hmm. when you understand how the digital world works my only thing that I, if i can uh, sure. interrupt you say i think one other thing that the audience now uh would start demanding because audience is always demanding right anything that you believe as i said uh, you know if you're a conservative you may think you've really cracked the model but there is nothing like perfect you know evolved fully evolved species mm. you have to constantly adapt because tastes are changing yeah So one of the things with the YouTube model, I think Palkis is, it is didactic in the sense that it is it's a monologue, right? Uh, which is what Dhruv Rathi also does. Mm. A lot of people do it. The problem with that is that people will you know start saying that it's a bit like uh, uh, you know a politician. You want to say something, nobody is allowed to disagree with you, right? So this kind of interactive thing where you bring in. is much more preferable so that is why i think smitas over time people would simply get bored with the monologue because monologue would be a mechanism to gain information but aajkal ki audience they just don't want information yaar if they want information they google stuff they want realness they want interactiveness they want the truth they want the fight they mm. want you know they they want the aag ka darya they want their ideas to be churned out through the thick and thin through the rigmarole of uh, you know fights and disagreements and debates and discussions mm. I, i can give a 10 minute and people ask me yaar why don't you have a youtube channel the clips that i times now record so on an average it has like within like 12 hours 13 hours it has 2 lakh views or 3 lakh views in fact yesterday's clip has already has 2 lakh views why don't you i said no because that would be uh, you know it's like me telling you what i believe in mm. i want to sit in a place where uh, there are people who are throwing disagreements at me yeah i'm sorry i didn't disagree with and, you uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, what i meant was that you know at any point of time uh, you know you would say things and i would learn from it it would be disagreement 
is at very le- it has mm. many levels right mm. by disagreement also it is nuances of a uh, evolving thought process that's also born out of disagreement so the 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 model i would say is almost perfect is that two people sitting and discussing something mm. and it may be they might agree with things and i always say this i don't know why people do this they uh, in a debate they always bring in someone from the left someone from the right uh, you know indian express also does it now they have jay sai as uh, uh, you know a columnist and the thing is they'll say oh well now people would re-. i said no it is great you have jay sai but you are having nine other crappy idiots as as columnists as well you are balancing something that is what is what i call classic mon- monkey balancing as the phrase grows uh, invented by media crooks the uh, you know the great guy who's a pioneer of this this whole uh, news dissemination that is balancing and that is disingenuous and that is actually um, uh, almost an insult to jsi and other rational logical writers that you have clubbed you know rank idiots as writers as well and i think that's wrong that that, that model will not work mm. you don't need pigeon hold people to come to your debate and discussion yeah ki do right wingers aa gaye do communist aa gaya you know you bring in rational logical people and believe me they will disagree with bjp and the government more than the left wingers in this thing mm. it's a fact yeah the other angle is you need no time limits in order to actually bring out the nectar of a conversation it's true, it's true. like even with these i yeah. know my first half an hour of every yeah. conversation is going yeah. to be pretty bland yeah. by the 45 minute mark it gets a little warmed up yeah. post 1 hour is my best conversation yes. and this is exactly why i don't bring on too many film industry folks on the show anymore right. it's like i have politicians who are willing to talk to me for 2 hours yeah. and the film industry folks say no no i got to get done 45 minutes cuz i have to go for that commitment okay. don't come bro if i can recommend two from the film dumb one of course is ravina tandon please bring her the other is jackie shroff have you had jackie i shroff? would love to mausi oh, ji Oh, sorry <laughs> i had to say that <laughs> i'm sorry mom my mom is so proud of me for talking to you on my show i say i say mausi ji in front of aran ranganath no no but I'll, i'll tell you something very similar happened to um, Uh, Peter Russell, you know Peter Russell, right? He's I know friend. Russell Peters. Uh, so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, Dana uh, of Opa. You're, Russell Peters. You're talking about Russell Peters. Yes, only. I'm talking okay. about Russell Peters. Okay. I don't know why. I've, first time I'm thinking, why the hell isn't it Peter Russell? Because yeah. that's more I'll of say, a the Mau- first name, last name than Russell Peters. Anyway, the Maushi threw you off. <laughs> <laughs> so there he is cracking these jokes and non-veg jokes, and he does one something with a mic. which is uh, you know is basically is using the mic as a, a, a phallus yeah. right and suddenly he realizes his mother is sitting in front of him <laughs> and he says sorry mom <laughs> it's hilarious and the camera shifts to the mother and the mother is doing this oh my god it's crazy but yeah those things happen yeah, it's my mom's fault she put me in engineering college <laughs> this is the result you get <laughs> but you know i just saw a couple of clips of jackie uh two days ago i'm blown away by the guy yaar oh my god he's telling once about his life early life how he used to live in a in a slum in a small room i think this size five people his two parents and his uh, uh, two brothers so five of them or something aur wo itni achhi tarah se baat kar rahe the ek to awaaz uski itni achhi hai i'm sorry for using lot of hindi here but uh, no, no, jackie bhidu dada you know all that stuff <laughs> um and then he said something so profound yaar matlab rona aa gaya mujhe honestly 
So he said, Jab, you know, when we were young, somebody would cough, we were sleeping together in this one room and some, my mother would, you know, shake me up and say, kya hua? are you all right? And if my mother had cough and I would say, kya hua? what happened? Are you all right? And everyone would look after each other. And then I became rich and, you know, I became <gasps> successful. I bought this house. I bought this beautiful uh, suite in the house for my mother and my mother. I put my mother there, beautiful room and everything. And then one day she died of heart attack. And Amiri aai, uske saath diware aagain. You know, I did not know my mother had had a heart attack in her room. Had I known, had I sleep, was sleeping next to her, you know, she would have done something. I would have taken her to hospital. But, uh, you know, with wealth came these divars. So please bring Jackie to your thing. He's an amazing guy. Amazing guy. Yeah. I love you, Jackie Dada. I love you too, sir. <laughs> Sorry, I referenced the meme. <laughs> but, uh, you know, honestly, meme culture is how my generation... Of course, yeah. I uh, love memes more than anyone oh, really? else. Yeah, oh, really? You follow meme pages and oh, all that? Not meme pages, but, I mean, on Twitter, okay. one gets to know the, uh, you know, the great memes. And okay. there are some fantastic memes, yeah. Did you see my nodding meme? I became a meme. This. Oh, yes, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, that was recorded four years ago. Someone picked up that clip, made it. And my social media numbers shot up. So I was like, okay, I've done almost 500 podcasts mm. where I've grilled people. Mm. I've intensely dived in the conversation. And then I have people messaging me on my Instagram saying, hey, I discovered you from the meme. <laughs> discovered you from the meme page. It validated my... But you uh, know, one of the things that will bring a lot of... Um, it's almost impossible for do uh, to do in today's world, but I, it's a great challenge. Is to um, kind of coax just yes and no answers from people, and I say that as a challenge because our instinct is to not because our instinct into say well it's not a yes and no answer. That's our instinct, right? Most times it is true, right? But the challenge is to be able to be so forthright. To say things in yes or no. And you immediately know if the other person is frank or not through that. Mm. Immediately. So you ask a, a BJP politician, is Modi corrupt? What will he say? He'll say no. Is Rahul corrupt? He'll say yes. <laughs> the truth is, you know, you ask me, is Modi corrupt? I immediately say yes, he's corrupt. Then the other things follow. Why do you say he's corrupt? So I'm saying next time, you know, don't ask me yes or no question. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, put your, uh, uh, you know, uh, guess on a spot by having, you know, as kids, we used to play these 20 questions, uh, uh, you know, and you would guess whatever the other person's, uh, you know, has thought of in 20 questions. That's a beautiful game. Mm. Uh, but this yes and no question is very nice. People have to take it in the spirit, of course, because yeah. everything is not yes and no. But if you can coax your guests to be in that spirit, uh, then it'll be it'll be fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Does India have its own version of Area Fifty One? Yes and no question. Uh, no. No. <laughs> do you, you don't you don't. There is no Area Fifty One in the US. Yes. Also. Yeah. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, it would have come out by now. Okay. If there was some truth truth to it. So you you think it's like a conspiracy theory, which is yeah, and survived. also one one fact that comes out that very few people answer is that why do ninety five percent of alien spottings happen in America? Fair. They can't spot aliens, mm. and that is because of these. Uh, you know, mm. um, there's a lovely ad, a Volkswagen ad. Um, there two Americans are talking. 
and they're saying uh, in a Texan, South American, uh, South America accent, uh, they're explaining that they've seen, they've sighted something alien. I saw that. And then I, the husband is talking, the wife is talking. It's like a, uh, almost a documentarisk style, uh, this thing. And then the end, the, the husband says, yeah, and while that, the, the spaceship was fleeting away, it had some sign. It had <gasps> VWR. Nice. These are kind of ads. uh, Wonderful. Yeah. You know, when when ads come up in conversation like this, you know you've hit the mark in terms of marketing. (laughs) Um, hmm, Now, you know, because you told me about yes and no questions, I only feel like asking you these. Ask ask yes or no questions. Only Jaisai Deepak and you, I feel out of all the guests I've ever had on my show, are probably capable of doing this. I don't know about Jaisai is amazing. And uh, disclosure he is representing me in one of the one of the cases so yes i am partial but even before that yeah, even if he was not representing me uh, he is uh, unbelievable what are you sued for for uh, my freedom of speech contempt criminal contempt of court uh, damn <laughs> for being you <laughs> for being me for not for not commenting on what the judge said whether it was right or wrong but for standing up for Vivek Agnihotri's right to say what he said, for which he has apologized unconditionally, but I have refused to apologize. Once this Kashmir Files thing was going uh, no, on? No, no, this is actually pre-COVID. There was, uh, there was something to do with um, a, a kind of an urban naxal. Actually, that fellow is an urban naxal. Um, the term does mean something. Uh, Gautam Navlakha, he is someone who's... Um, uh, who was arrested under UAPA or some other charge and he was given bail. The judge who gave him a bail, uh, Vivek Agnihotri, commented on his, that judge's conflict of interest or whatever it was. And the judge slapped a criminal contempt on Vivek Agnihotri. And I said, uh, I stand with Vivek's right to say what he wants to say. It was like, for example, uh, you know, my saying that I am for the right for the protesters to march. I am not commenting on whether what they're marching for or against is good or bad, but they have a right to march. It's like a newspaper. Mm. If a newspaper alleges a politician has indulged in a scam, the politician can sue the newspaper. That's the politician's right. But I stand up for the newspaper's right to report on that scam. Mm. So Sai, uh, bless you, Sai is representing me. Hopefully we'll, we'll get through. Why don't dudes uh, like you and Jaisai Deepak get into politics? Uh, <laughs> Jaisai must get into politics. <laughs> and I've said this, in fact, a couple of days ago, one tweet of mine, one clip of mine uh, has gone viral. By, by the way, I'm uh, I'm uh, extremely anxious about these my clips going viral, yeah? Because uh, till now, um, I'm saying good things and they are getting viral. Kabi Beach, mein, you know what these clips can do and this has happened to you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something is picked out of context yeah. and whatever it may be and that goes viral and so, oh my it's, God. It's the curse of this format, by the <laughs> way. I'm talking about two hours, one sentence will yeah, be taken away. One sentence will go, but that's the nature of the thing, so that's happened. Sai has to get into politics. We need people like Sai and Vikram Sampath and so many others, there's so many, uh, but these are the two people who from the top of my head I can think of who must, who must get into politics. We need people who think of the country uh, above everything else. 
um, I think it's important. Why not you? Me, because I won't last more than a day. Because I you're too really outspoken. Won't. Yeah, I'm too outspoken. I'm, um, I'm not diplomatic at all. Um, and uh, things like that don't work in politics. But okay. that's okay. I'd say, you know, if I were to join politics, I would come up with an open disclaimer that from this day on, I'm going to be a hypocrite, guys. So please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, one I'll way. say I'm a different guy. Right? <laughs> you want to accept me like this? Don't gali mat dena. You know what? What people do is that once they, for example, this happens to a lot, uh, and lot of friends also, they suddenly switch parties. So people start digging up their old tweets. Mm. So I was doing that to a very good friend of mine, Gaurav Bhatia. He's with BJP now. He was with Samajwadi Party earlier. He switched parties. I don't know why they do it. Please switch parties after you've deleted your <laughs> your previous tweet. Because the first inkling I had, the guy has joined BJP. I immediately typed Modi from Gaurav BH, Gaurav Bhatia. And I started retweeting them. And then Gaurav was live on Twitter. He started deleting those tweets. There was this competition going on. I am digging these old tweets. And Gaurav is deleting those tweets. And Gaurav said, what are you So I'm going to say, guys, there is nothing. I'm, I'm going to delete my Twitter account the day I joined politics and say, I didn't. But obviously, these things exist. So I'm going to say... Don't hate me for my thing. I am a hypocrite number one. If if uh, David Dhawan were to make a movie, hypocrite number one, he will cho choose me as an actor. <laughs> then I can join politics. But otherwise... Uh... Speaking about politics, yeah. uh, one of the research bits that came up about you was actually a short clip. You had yeah. some public event where you're giving a timeline of future PMs of the country. <laughs> Very cool. That was in jest, I must say. That's in fact my... So my family WhatsApp group has forwarded that thing to me. You know, the boys and me were watching it together. <laughs> My father-in-law is watching it and has put those chashme wala thing on this. Are ye to yehi hai. <laughs> like, when we were watching it together, we were looking up at each other like, yo, <laughs> million view podcast. <laughs> that's what has come up. Yeah. But were you serious about that timeline? Like, that's your conjecture? Uh, well, uh, let's put it this way. Modi should uh, make space after two years. Hold on. Why don't you give context of the people who have not right. seen the clip? Yeah, Just so I, I was in this uh, um, conversation with Sai on the panel and it was lighthearted. Somebody asked a question. I can't even remember that. You know, what's the timeline or what's going to happen? So, Probably me prepping for this. <laughs> so I gave a timeline from the top of my head, very lighthearted, uh, uh, you know, about the next prime minister till 2050. Hmm. And um, so it started with Modi uh, that he will win 2024 and then from he will retire in 2026. Uh, and I think he should, you know. Uh, uh, and then Amit Shah would come, I think, and then 2029 would be Yogi. And then Yogi again, because I said, Chhodna nahi hai. Jitni barnol ki sales high karni hai, Yogi ji aap <laughs> You've seen those Barnol memes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Earlier, it used to be just one tube. Now those articulated lorries have come with Barnol written. <laughs> then there's a new one where the chopper is spraying Barnol. So the first yogi term would be those lorries and trains of Barnol. The next yogi term would be those Barnol sprays. <laughs> Barnol sprays. Then I think it was um, Himanta Biswa Sarma, right? Uh, 
and then it was i think tejasvi surya or someone and then um, uh, it was An- anamalai it was fantastic it was absolutely fa- in tamil nadu and then it was jsai so it ended with jsai <laughs> till 20 40 or 50 and but i said but all through rahul gandhi will be the leader of the opposition <laughs> So that's the that's the context that's what's gone viral. Nice. Yeah. Uh I've had a neuroscientist on the show who spoke about the nature of dreams. You know, scientific <laughs> discovery has happened right. in dreams. Yes. The scientific logic of that is that you have two parts to your mind, the logical side, the emotional side. <laughs> you're keeping your active logical side on throughout the day doing your mathematics and science and when you sleep, the data is transferred to the emotional side, processed and then you yes. get your answers and your solutions in your dreams and when you wake up, yeah. you're able to go further into your scientific research or yeah. find the answer you were looking for i think this joke timeline that you have created has actually come out of a lot of data being processed <laughs> and some political and geopolitical observations and then even though it's a joke there's some yeah. truth in this uh, timeline i think it's difficult i think because um the nature of politics has changed in our country and i think it's it's to do with the fact that politicians have realized that uh they're not taking decisions that are in national interest i mean i took the example of farm laws there are so many others public sector units i talked about how to make india leapfrog you know and it can either be on the basis of technology or through decisions now i i gave the uh, you know the example of decisions how by not taking the decisions you know you've harmed india so that's leapfrogging out of the way gone but i'll give you an example i mean uh, you know i belong to a generation where uh, you, in fact uh, ranveer you wouldn't even know if i were to put uh, you know uh, keep you blindfolded and remove your blindfold and in front of you would be this device that has this rotary thing that goes you wouldn't even know that was a phone once right you probably would yeah. you've, you've seen it you probably never have you used that rotary phone i have, have i lived through the 90s a little oh, okay. bit but right. they got out uh, they got out soon. very quickly yeah. right i have lived through the time when there used to be a uh, a waiting uh, uh, you know line for 2 years to get a phone 2 years and then you would get this kind of a bakelite it wasn't even like plastic bakelite <laughs> 50s fashion rotary phone and all that stuff and at that point of time we used to be so we had telephone envy we had road envy you'd go to the west and say are yaar ye inki sadke dekho rona aa raha hai phone look at the phone can said india would never be like that but you look at now this is classic leapfrog if the phone technology had remained the same land lines physical lines india would never have 1.4 billion people twice over having the phone connections but we leapfrogged it right because of technology now there are so many other technologies that would allow us to leapfrog you know and catapult ourselves into you know this kind of this stratosphere that i call it where we can generate rapid wealth but there are so many that are not technology with technology driven that are decision driven river linking is one aspect i told you 63% of our rain water or glacial water goes into the ocean there are places in india where separated only by mere 500 kilometers there is massive drought or famine and there is floods happening supreme court and committees that are two decades for two decades have said we need river linking we need to you know have water scarce area you know you know uh, being accessible to uh, you know water uh, uh, areas where there is so much of flood that is not happening on the scale it should happen hmm. that is not technology because technology is old that is decision okay 
another intrusive thought yes. from the cabinet minister series i did yeah the best conversation was with rajiv chandrashekar right he was yes. extremely futuristic very very i don't think too many people my age even know too much about him yes but what a futuristic guy yes so there are, you know i mean modi cabinet has so there are uh, first of all uh, you know of what he said maximum governance minimum government of course that is another pig that is flying next to a government has no business to be in business these are the two promises modi made so i think the cabinet minister is uh, ministry is what 78 or 80 ministries <laughs> that's the central government 15 of them are exceptional mm. and some of them are super exceptional gadgari is one of them super exceptional but of those who are exceptional and who have a great future rajiv is one of them but of course you know he was a billionaire before he became a minister the bpl or bpl tvs and telephony and all that is his creation mm. and uh, he was the one who was involved in chip making so he's a extremely knowledgeable guy um and as uh, a wonderful person seeing him sitting in the pmo increase my faith in the government seeing yeah. that mind sitting uh, there yes but uh, i mean it's this is not uh, again criticism of rajiv i would like to see him criticize i know he can't do it uh, criticize the government more mm. because you see there are areas where you can say chalo yaar isme criticism karne ka koi fayda nahi hai like there is ministry of shipping there is ministry of program implementation there is ministry of statistics there is ministry of coal steel whatever but you know there are these niche ministries like you know for example ministry of it that is i think he is involved in you really need him to go politics agnostic ideology agnostic the these transcend uh, party politics ideologies even nations i mean technology transcends nations science you you should not think of india that is why i say one of the greatest our greatest i would say scientific contribution india's is not about science at all it is about this philosophical uh, you know i don't know the uh, i don't know for want of a better word genius vasudeva kutumbakam the world is a family indians are have been civilized civilizationally trained to think of the world as a family and people my people have started mocking it kya re yaar world is a family apna nahi sochta ye hai this look we obviously we must think of india but we also must think of the world because the prosperity of the world will translate into prosperity of india and likewise you uh, give you an example all these bloody haughty totty uh, you know westerners including america they talk of human rights they talk of world and world good and all that who reneged on paris climate deal it was america right it could afford to renege we are a proud signatory to the paris climate even though we know it will be so harsh on us because we are a de developing economy we need thermal power and yet you look at the milestones that modi has kept on renewables they are astonishing mm. so why would we do it if we were so india centric and not world centric because we believe it is good for the world to be less polluted mm. you know so uh, this is this is how i would like rajiv to think of it to transcend national political party ideology national boundaries mm. 
not just him but not like not just him everyone but especially him because he is handling a ministry that cannot be central you know india centric okay yeah who else do you like in the cabinet a lot of people i think uh, 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 nirmala sitaraman uh, very quiet unassuming uh, person fiercely intelligent um who's done a lot of great work you know uh, but whose hands are tied uh that is the nature of politics i think expand that thought if you can well uh, of what i know uh she would personally i would like her to take a lot of decisions that are in india's interests economically that she's not being able to take because of political uh, compulsions you know uh take the example of banks uh privatization for example so she is consolidated the uh, i think private uh, the public sector banks but they should not exist <laughs> you know uh, state bank of india should not exist these banks are the epicenter of npas and corruption and no matter how much you would say that look we will start making profits they're just rewriting your books you know and uh, this another fallacy that people talk of navratnas out of 1800 public sector units government controlled companies they say well you have these companies that are making profits well that's not the point the point is it is an axiom that the government cannot run a successful business and even if the government government is running a business that is making a profit in private hands it would be making 100 times more profit mm. so you're actually running at a a loss so a lot of men i mean nitin gadkari of course uh, hardeep puri and there are so many uh, smriti irani is doing a good job there are many there are many who are just ministers where i believe ministry should not exist i mean why do you need a shipping ministry why do you need a ministry for statistics for heaven's sake so uh, there should be only 15 to 20 15 ministries yeah teach me about your scientific opinion on yogi ji on yogi ji yeah. scientific opinion yeah so uh, if you could expand a little on that because i i don't know what you mean by the uh, yeah fact based evidence based truth about his capabilities as a leader right truth about what's happened in the ten in his tenure right and uh, as cm and uh, let's directly take on the criticism that uh, the anti modi side of mm. our country has for him which is that bulldozer baba and all that yeah mm. and and uh, you know just ex- extremely pro hindu etc right so uh two two ways to answer it one would be using data which is what i did uh, just before the up elections you know that coverage because i think he he is the only chief minister to have regained the post of chief ministership in 35 years in uttar pradesh which is remarkable i mean the uh, uttar pradesh has uh, more population than brazil so he is in fact the, the you can see the president of brazil twice over which is an incredible feat and he wouldn't have become Uh, the chief minister again had he not delivered on development and i and i talked about this during that time and let me see if i can remember so yeah so i i gave three reasons why people would vote for yogi you look at the gdp per capita of uttar pradesh what it was when yogi took over and what it is now and i'm talking about those five years so one year has gone by but you look at the number of uh, school girls who are going to school then and you going to school now so you look at the prosperity you look at the wealth and you look at 
the health so you look at the infant mortality rate so you know the quickest way to judge uh if a government has done well or if a person has done well is all in these three prosperity because health wealth and uh education as far as the wealth is concerned the gdp per capita was i think 45000 rupees for up it is 60000 now okay during in the 5 years after 5 years of yogi as far as the education is concerned there is a 10% increase in the school girls um going uh, to or in girls going to school in uttar pradesh in those 5 years and there is a 10 point decrease in the infant mortality rate uh in the 5 years that up so he has done and in in terms of infrastructure highway so that's why people voted him so if you were to go by facts he has won the confidence of people which is not a remarkable unremarkable feat at all i mean as i said in 35 years the only person to have become the chief minister again is just remarkable so yes he has done good for uttar pradesh his bulldozer thing i personally i gave my reasons that i am against it because there are ample uh, uh high court and supreme court judgments that you have to give a 15 day notice before you demolish somebody's even if it's a criminal's uh, house through bulldozer and also you cannot have transfer of guilt so you cannot make the family of the gangster suffer and if you demolish the house of a gangster where his family is living so you're making them suffer as well so those were the reasons i gave but then again i mean the courts have seen him do this and if they haven't been able to stop him then clearly he's doing something legal right otherwise people would have stopped him from doing it so yes you can object to it as i did whether he's doing something morally right or not uh the courts have clearly ordained what he is doing is legal so these are the two aspects of it okay yeah in a concise manner how yeah. do you look back at his tenure and is he a worthy pm candidate oh he is he is definitely a worthy pm candidate i would like to see him uh, junk socialism more than what he has okay that is my fear uh, but that has been my fear with every politician i mean look at the karnataka election the kind of socialist promises that the government has made and has possibly won in a large measure because of those free bus tickets free subsidized electricity free this free that now they are having to uh, you know uh, fulfill those promises and mm-hmm. the exchequer will go uh, 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 you know into a deficit by more than 100% if it does it so that's the bane with every politician so not just yogi but you know the the prime minister has to have a vision and modi had a vision modi hasn't fulfilled that vision 100% is my grouse with modi modi has balked and has retreated a lot more than what i would have i thought he would i mean modi as a state uh, minister chief minister a totally different kettle of fish as a modi as a prime minister okay which is his criticism he has done some remarkable in fact 9 years of modi i brought out a tweet where nine of his most spectacular successes and nine of his most spectacular failures and i i really love uh, uh, you know when you talk of cult uh, following i don't have a cult following but i really love people who follow me many times because even when i narrated those failures many people nobody insulted me or abused me so uh, you know people people realize that modi has not modi has failed on many counts 
there are many reasons which uh, he can perhaps give for why he has failed. But there are many where he must, he should have given the reasons and he has not. And farm bills is one where I said, I mean, it would have catapulted us into a middle income economy. And he just said, what do you mean? Explain farm bills wapis farm bills Farm bills ka wapis So he didn't explain that. And the machinery went into this ki are Khalistan ki No, you know, all that. So explain it, yeah. This might be a very amateur rookie perspective. Not at all. No, no perspective is rookie. This might be a slightly rookie perspective. <laughs> uh, I think that if the leaders of our country actually openly admit to their mistakes yeah. and their shortcomings in a very nuanced, broken down manner yeah. and show, show their vulnerability a little bit, I think it will benefit their PR immensely. Yeah. But they are being wrongly advised when it comes to PR that only project the good. And I'm saying that based on the fact that I run a talent management company, a PR firm, and I'm a YouTuber and PR and illusions are basically what I do for a living. Right. Uh, you need to build the illusion based on what the audiences want and audiences of both Hindi and English in our country have gotten extremely smart. And I'm sure the Tamil Kannada audiences are as smart, if not smarter, but Politicians need to come out uh, and openly talk about their shortcomings and their failures. There's another side to it, Ranveer. I'll tell you, I think honest politicians should do it. Well, that itself is an oxymoron, honest, honest politician. Because if a dishonest politician does it, people still would not believe him. And, uh, you know, I don't know your views, but uh, when I think of a dishonest politician, the first name that comes to me, I don't know, Andar se aata Kejriwal. <laughs> Yeah. Kejriwal has apologized hundreds of times. In fact, there's a, a, a massive clip of his where Rahul Shiv Shankar is interviewing him just before the last Delhi elections. And he narrated all those promises that Kejriwal made in the previous elections. We do, do this, Yamuna ka, iska, uska. And Rahul said, you haven't even started on these things. And Kejriwal kept on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, Juni Rengti, he is not remorseful. So if a politician is dishonest viscerally, then he doesn't mind apologizing. It's like a takia thing for him. You know, it's like a joke. Mm. But if you have a reasonably honest politician and he's remorseful that I'm very sorry, I, you know, I shouldn't have done it. I did it. I'm yet to find that person. But then people would believe in and trust him. It's a master strategy for 2024 for whoever is willing to accept it. <laughs> Try it. Uh, yeah. It will blow up. That's my viral content uh, yes. input here. Like so, for, for example, I mean, do people believe that Yogi is honest? I'll tell you what. Yeah. Have you watched a horror movie in your life? Oh, yes. So often the ghost... The Shining. Movie. Oh, perfect. Oh, my God. The ghost the horror movie comes at the end usually. Yes. You know, usually. Yes. Uh, now... Muslims and Christians in our country are the characters in the horror movie yeah. and Yogi Ji and Amit Shah are the ghosts <laughs> that are coming at the end. That's how Muslims and Christians in our country view, view yeah. uh, Yogi Ji and Amit Shah. Honestly, yeah. at least in urban centers, when you go for parties, there will be lots of uh, non-Hindus very against Modi yeah. and they will use these two folks as posters. That's urban perspective. Yeah. I'm 100% sure outside of the big cities, 
perspective is different and in drawing out this narrative for you i forgot your question <laughs> what did you ask no my question was do people perceive yogi as honest people are scared of him hmm. yeah, like i can talk for mumbai right. and the circles that i roam people are extremely afraid hmm. uh very gangs of asaipur vibe mumbai aake bulldozer thoda chalayega they think that whatever his intensity that he has brought in up will uh be the intensity he brings for india as well and minorities are afraid and usually in urban centers you hear a lot of the minority angles yeah. in uh house Which parties is strange and i i, I don't know why i i think it's is a lot of uh, uh sorry to be cynical a diabolical game that politicians are playing because my first instant the thought is that bjp can very easily through facts and data dispel this the fear that exists amongst muslims not so much against christians uh because i mean if you give the example of goa for example uh where there are more bjp christian mlas then there is the christian population of goa so bjp is not anti christian per se you know that perception but this perception of bjp being anti muslim i have narrated so many times that modi has done more for muslims than he has for hindus hard facts hard facts i hope this is just st javier's college in mumbai <laughs> <laughs> and jnu no, no 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding but you, you know the funny thing is that people who don't believe in this are not just the muslim politicians who are propagating all this thing bjp doesn't want this fallacy to be cleared at all maine ye bjp politicians se pucha wo kehte aag lagi rehni chahiye let people believe this because hindus ko ye nahi lagna chahiye ki muslims ke liye zyada kiya hai modi ne honestly i'm telling you kyunki hindus ke and this is my my next book that is coming out is on this in fact uh hindus are the eighth class citizens of this country where i prove constitutionally legally through parliament through society that hindus are being actively discriminated against it is not the muslims and the christians who are being constitutionally discriminated against it is the hindus i dated a christian girl fairly recently amazing just one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just one good nice relationship very intelligent very well read uh if we ever spoke about politics anything that i would relay through the show if it was slightly against her fear of the government uh she'd say yeah spoken like a true person from the majority <laughs> so i don't know man uh uh i i get afraid to speak on behalf see, of minorities see also see the big, biggest thing that happened uh, that was perceived to be anti christian was you remember those church attacks that happened in 2014 hindutva church attack this government church attacks in fact uh, mr ribero who was the police commissioner very exalted person and very respected person he came out with uh, opinion pieces of course the politician said bjp is doing you know assaulting all these church attacking these churches and all that stuff and uh, there was this banner headline called enough call very christians times of india thing it was complete fake news and narrative complete there were most of them if not all were arson burglaries that were committed by thieves bandicoots decoits completely unrelated to hindutva and all that that happened more during the upa than during the nda but that the whole thing went on for 3 months and the government did not dispel this notion 
Modi did not come out and say this is fake narrative that uh, none was gang raped and you know Hindus have Bangladeshi illegal migrants Muslims had done that whole thing Rana you spread that canard RSS and affiliated organizations everything was false now if this lady or man you dated I mean I don't know genders are pretty fluid <laughs> <laughs> nowadays I don't want to get into a problem it's a girl it's a girl <laughs> as i say you know beer beer and bicep guy so i don't like beer i don't have biceps but i am a guy <laughs> no no for you good. all three are ticked she was gorgeous she was gorgeous just yeah, saying okay, she was yes. so perfect for me xx chromosome was gorgeous that's the new terminology we yeah. must use right and you know i fell in love with her thought i'll end up with her and then she left me so did you did you scenerate her with the <laughs> julie songs <laughs> no no i played christmas carols <laughs> directly bhajans and she ran away <laughs> no i'm kidding but you know someone like her if you were to give this data to her and just leave it on the table and if she and of course she would be rational and logical uh if she fell in love with you oh uh, stop it <laughs> if she didn't you're totally irrational illogical shame on you uh julie uh she would have realized this is propaganda you know but again if you if the government doesn't want to dispel those fake propaganda then why should anybody else care that's what i'm saying this is all a diabolical game being played vote bank mm. yeah we live in the age of marketing live in truly live in the age of marketing all right nice uh, end to this episode anrangnathan so i'm primarily ending this because i want to head straight into our second conversation <laughs> which is closer to both our hearts we talk in science we talk in the future Wonderful. maybe a little geopolitics and yes, a absolutely. lot of technology so brilliant let's get into it thank you for the first conversation sir truly enjoyed it memorable yeah. experience yeah i'm glad uh love that i get to cuss in front of you and talk <laughs> to you like you're just a few years older than me uh but i am uh I'm I'm like full of information right now. Uh, so, so, am I, so really appreciate it. Thank Fantastic. you, sir. Real pleasure. Thank you so okay. much. Okay, let's head into the part two. Told you it's gonna be a fun episode. Don't doubt, Bhaiya. Bhaiya being me. My Bhaiya being Anand Ranganathan because he's gonna be back on TRS. Tell me what you thought of this particular episode. He's gonna be back on the show. Tell me what you'd like for me to discuss with him the next time around. He's a dangerous man. Pretty much for himself because he's that. open with his thoughts fires shots very very easily but that's why it's fun talking to him cuz we live in an age where people are a little too guarded you need anand ranganathan to just balance out the kind of vibe that exists in these conversations it's the age of podcasts going to be bringing you a lot more please send in your guest recommendations especially if you're a new viewer of the ranveer show and you've only discovered this show because of the political podcast we've had lately We have an entire bank of podcasts that we've been releasing since four years. Lots of interesting topics, and we're only getting started. Anand Ranganathan is going to be back on the show very soon. Tell me what you thought. Send guest recommendations and tell me how we can become better at these political podcasts. See you soon, everybody.